0: I talked to the jazz musician Keith Jackson about growing up in Arkansas, uh, moving to Chicago, and making peace with uh, Southern rock, uh, begrudgingly. I know you'll uh, enjoy this uh, conversation at least as much as I did.
1: I'm less worried about I'm more worried about speaking in complete sentences.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I can't guarantee that I, I, I'll be able to do that. There's not
1: much you can help with on that. So, yeah.
0: No, I mean, unless you have a script that you've written out uh, that you c- keep ready for occasions like this. You have like uh, pat answers to any and all questions, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, the- no, I don't.
0: Are you? Are you? Do you typically worry about being uh, well spoken, or what have you? Is that like a? Is that an a source of anxiety? Well, <laughs>
1: well yeah, probably to a degree, sure. Yeah, because there's always, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to really know if people understand what you're saying, right?
0: Well. That's that's for sure, <laughs> but you can you can be completely grammatically correct and, and still not get through. And uh, a lot depends on who your audience is as well, you know. Right. Of
2: course.
0: <laughs> so yeah, once once these things are out in the world, it's sort of up to the listener to get as little or as much as they. They can out of it, you know.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I would maybe go even further and say that's true of any time you say anything, right?
0: Exactly. In any context, really. Th- this is exactly why I don't. I'm not. I'm not stressing about any of it. And uh, you know I mean, one of the things that I, in listening back and editing these things, is I. I really wish. I wish you know some of the the dumb the kind of verbal tics uh, could be could be edited out, but they really can't. Uh, so you know when you, you know your uh, your mouth gets ahead of your mind, and there's you say like too many times, or you know, or whatever.
2: Right. It's just
0: kind of like these verb these like stall, stalling for time tactics for for your your brain to. Actually, form a cohesive thought. <laughs> yeah, that. I was
1: just reading this morning. I was reading an article about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. In particular, it was like uh, sort of in defense of of using like.
0: You know? mm. Oh, really? What mm-hmm. What was the reasoning? Well, this this um,
1: writer was sort of saying that it's actually well. You know, he's he was sort of trying to put it into a historical context, and why, you know, historical and also educational. So he was sort of saying, you know, teachers are always coming down on their students for saying like, and and they, you know, he co- quoted a few teachers that said, "Yeah, this is the worst habit you could possibly have." And wow, I mean, I mean, just these really, you know, kind of. Heavy-handed statements about, you know, we're we're trying to train our students to never use that word again. Things like that, right? And then this example from um, the early '80s with Frank Zappa, and he had his daughter Moon Unit, you know, mm-hmm. kind of imitating a valley girl.
0: Yeah, yeah, in that song. Yeah, I don't for sure. Gag me with a spoon. All that. Yeah. I don't
1: remember those songs in particular but I definitely remember that idea. Yeah, growing up, you know, in the 80s and
0: yeah, people
1: talking about that and and knowing girls that talked like that and were you know, more and less apologetic about it. Sure. People and um, and then all the adults kind of wagging their fingers and so, yeah, that's well-established. But um, the other thing was there was some, I, I mean, it seemed a little more tenuous to me, but there was some example about Shakespeare. Um, you know, there was a couple of quotes where he said, like where where it was used as that sort of you know, yeah. conjunction or, or whatever the grammatical function is. But... Um, I don't know. I suppose it's it's worth a little more um, thought. Why not?
0: Yeah. Uh, Well. Yeah. The thing with these, the kind of is this was this in an academic journal or uh, some kind of like a magazine, literary magazine or something? No, it was the Guardian actually. Oh. Okay. Well. Yeah. I guess that's
1: somewhat literary,
0: but a little bit. You know. You know. More so than. I don't know. I don't know what the non-literary thing is. USA Today. Right, right, <laughs> Does USA like Today that. even exist anymore? I don't even know. I haven't seen that in a while. USA Today. But uh, the thing with that is when you set out to write a you know, one of these essays or think pieces is that you're going to find what you're looking for. So like using Shakespeare as an example. You know what I mean?
2: Sure.
0: Yeah. Because that's what you're looking for, so you're going to find it. That's the way minds work, you know, you, we're sort of we just default to look for patterns always and we'll find them. It's that that punch buggy thing. You know, if you start looking for v, VW bugs, you're going to see them everywhere. I mean, not these days, but back when they were around, you know.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I remember that as a kid.
0: Yeah, you're old enough to n- know what I'm talking about, but yeah.
1: <laughs> But the, um, the thing with, uh, with this article, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's all kind of, yeah, like you're saying, kind of think piece, um, some of it, you know, sticks more than other points, Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, but I think, I think you're right, yeah, everybody does the same thing, it's, when you start explaining something, you you tend to want to reach a little further to kind of drive the point
0: home. Yeah. And you're afraid, I mean most people are afraid to just sit there quietly until the the thought forms into a sentence. So that that's when you know and like come out, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah we yeah, both just like, did that as talk to- while talking about it. It's it's sort of inescapable. It's like it's like filler. Yeah. Exactly. Uh because it's not ex- it's sort of not accepted generally to just sit there silently.
1: <laughs> well, so how could we um how could we change that? Like I think that um I think about this a lot, you know, why why some people come off well on, on T V or on sure. podcasts or whatever. Um And I'm sure there's some training things you can do to keep it, you know, keep things more smooth or...
0: For sure, yeah.
1: ...flowing. But I'm also wondering, like, are there other approaches that could be... Like, when do we talk that that we don't do, you know, have those kind of pauses or, or little bumps...
0: Yeah, I think it it would probably take a lot of practice and maybe more uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> more effort than is necessary <laughs> for for uh, for paltry results. I would say uh, I'm yeah on balance I'm okay with the the verbal tics really if if the conversation is going somewhere interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And. Uh, yeah. And yeah, in a setting like this, in one of these, it's it's so off the cuff and it's so unprepared that there's no way anyone can be expected to, to sort of read a friggin' soliloquy, you know, right. worthy of Shakespeare or whoever else, the, your favorite playwright of the moment. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, yeah, the... The internet tells me that you grew up in Arkansas. Is that true?
1: That's true. I grew up in a college town, uh, very charming uh, place to grow up in the, the hills of Arkansas.
0: Were your yeah. folks in the in the education racket, one way or another? Or? They were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's how they ended up there, and liked it so much, decided to stay, as many people do. Um, and yeah, fantastic
0: place to grow up. It really was. What What did they do, uh, specifically in the in the learning business? <clears throat> oh,
1: they would just they went there for grad school.
0: Oh, they just went there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So they they weren't teachers themselves or anything like that or
1: not basically no I mean a little bit but not not they weren't professors
0: yeah and they liked yeah. it enough to, to, to stick around wow
1: yeah but I think that was a common that was a common story I, I heard that from a lot of people of their generation really that yeah it seemed like everybody's parents not everyone but I, I would hear that story a lot well we just we traveled all over the world and stumbled upon this little town in the mountains and liked it so much we stayed.
0: Hey, there's some static coming in uh, on your end. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Can you hear it or no?
1: No, everything's really clean.
0: Huh, weird. I wonder what is going on. Strange. Hmm.
1: I don't have many
2: uh,
1: indicators here. Yeah. On the screen, it's pretty
0: basic. Yeah, yeah. The screen, the, the, this, uh, this, uh, software is very, very minimal, <laughs> which yeah. I sort of like about it. And the, the other thing that it can do is that it records a separate track for you and for me. So I can okay. get, you know, mess with the levels or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some kind of, uh, sound, but hopefully I can get rid of it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay yeah uh so so what what did they go to the school for in in arkansas your folks uh
1: my dad studied law
2: mm. and
1: my mother studied uh, her master's was in political science
2: mm. yeah.
1: it's a it's a big uh law school there university of arkansas and and uh attracts people from all over that region and there's been some celebrity teachers there and things like that so as a result the town is full of lawyers Wow <laughs> And it's not you know so it's for this the size of the population there's way too many lawyers so it's not a great place to well you know it's, it's very
0: competitive so you don't want to have a fender bender in that town.
1: <laughs> I would say no. <laughs> you can avoid it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, and did you do you start uh, playing music very young? Did you get into music? How did that happen? The music thing. Yeah, as a child. Um, what was your first instrument?
1: It was a cello. A cello. There hmm. yeah. were there was the Suzuki school. Oh so ah, yeah. And so they, they, at that time, that particular school in, in Fayetteville taught violin, cello, and piano. And my parents gave me the choice between cello and piano. Mm. And that later I kind of understood, you know, why that was, that they didn't want to listen to the beginning violin player in the house.
0: Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. <laughs> it's really, really
1: intense. So
0: yeah, I had, I had eight miserable years of doing that. Oh, did you really? Wow. Age six to eight, age fourteen, I begged to quit every year. <laughs> every year. Really? And there was n- none of that Suzuki stuff. Uh, my, you know, my my mom sneered at anything that wasn't completely traditional, yeah. old, old school old European. You know, I'd. I had teachers that you know, were playing in the symphony and stuff.
1: And was that had, had you already moved here by that point?
0: Uh, I started on the violin back in the Soviet Union. Okay. So my first instrument was a flute, a piccolo flute. Oh wow. But yeah. then when I was like that was when I was like five. Okay. But then the, the flute teacher left and they said that because I was so musically gifted and that I had perfect pitch and all this other garbage <laughs> that uh that like a flute was way beneath my abilities so they switched me to the fucking violin which was huh. th- then became the bane of my existence for the next 8 years yeah i, I broke mean, I, I broke two bows uh, from temper tantrums
1: from tantrums wow.
0: yeah didn't want to practice didn't like the sound of it yeah it's it's a uh, Unforgiving neurotic instrument. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Were, were you? Uh, you said you were given a choice between piano and cello. I think you said, but was that was there a choice whether to play or not?
2: Um, <laughs> I I don't know.
1: I think it was. I don't know if that really occurred to me. I was because I was three. Oh yeah. So I don't know
0: Yeah, you don't know about choices quite yet. I didn't really, yeah. But they were just like,
1: Well, it's time for music lessons. Yeah. Would right. you rather do this or this? Maybe yeah. that was the cho- you have a choice. Yeah. You could do this or this.
0: But yeah, music lessons were definitely like a a requirement.
1: It seems like
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Were you the oldest or do you have siblings or
1: yeah, one one younger sister? Younger, okay. And she she actually pursued music um in high school somewhat seriously but not after that
0: Mm. yeah i was not presented with the music thing as a choice exactly i don't remember being being able to choose the instrument either but uh, i think part of that was in the uh, limited choices available in in moscow in you know in the you know in the mid-70s
1: so, were your te- were your teachers very? Um, you said they were old school. I mean, would they like smack your wrist and stuff like that?
0: No, I don't remember ever getting smacked. They probably should have. Some in retrospect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or would they hold, they would grab your elbow and lift it up.
0: And yeah, think, think the like the how. elbow lift. Yeah, there was a lot about the like the posture and stuff. I remember. That I still remember. I mean, it, it was a very long time ago at this point, but. Uh, yeah. It's sort of... uh, I mean, I still will not really listen to orchestral music. Uh, It took a very long time for me to accept the violin in any kind of music. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Like, like eventually, I I was grudgingly began to accept, like, country fiddle, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. It was sort of a very different way of using that instrument. But, yeah, it... uh, it's not a thing that I go out of my way for, <laughs> and yeah. I, don't, I don't go to the symphony to listen to you know. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons why I would I don't, but yeah, it, it's it's not it's not a type of music I I go looking for.
1: Yeah, no, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I, it, it makes sense. I
0: certainly understand. <laughs> <laughs> Did your did your parents play music at all, or, or just enjoy it in any profound way?
1: Yeah, I think as, not yeah they were neither of them were, were you know, what we call real musicians, but they were, you know, hobbyists and Mm. played in school and. Do you remember in the days when Gregorian chant was really popular? Vaguely. I think it must have been early 90s early mid 90s
2: okay
0: what are we talking yeah I don't know I think you're a little bit younger than me I'm pretty sure not maybe Probably, not yeah. maybe not so much but uh, but they had
1: there was this um, there were a couple records that s- sold really well and so there was this kind of movement across the country of of having singing circles of you know, just whoever wanted to join and learn these Gregorian chants and meet once a week and stuff. And so my mom did that, you know, for
0: instance. Huh. Uh, so would that be happening, like, in your home? Like a, a group of people doing Gregorian chants?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't... I don't. Maybe, maybe, like, once or something, but I they, they would go somewhere else,
0: <laughs> but it left enough of an impression, obviously, that you can recall this the Gregorian chants.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, she was really into it. You know, yeah. Talk about it and talk about how it felt to be singing that stuff and learning. You know, she had a kind of a middle,
2: uh, if you would
1: call it a crisis or something, but she started studying Latin and Greek really seriously in her 40s.
0: Huh.
1: And kind of like changed her career
0: to kind of go more in that direction. For, from what to what did she change?
1: She'd been doing like nonprofit work
0: before that. Hmm.
1: Uh, like administrative kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, so yeah, she had this, um, you know, it had something to do with uh, reading Joseph Campbell and stuff like that. You know.
2: Huh.
0: Wow. So how long? How long did you play the cello?
1: Well, it's funny. It's like those small towns, you know. And I, I was really into it.
0: And oh, and so was, you liked it? You liked practicing and everything?
1: Yeah. I mean, as much as at that age, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is great. But then the, the teacher moved away,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that was kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> was sort of. Well, who's going to replace her? Oh, there's nobody's going to replace her. And then it's like, well, do you want to switch? Well, no, I. You know, and so I just stopped, you know. At so, that moment, and I I picked up saxophone a few years later.
0: So how long? Uh, yeah, how how long had you played the cello? You started at three, you said.
1: Yeah, I guess I I, I guess probably played it for three years. Okay,
0: yeah. Something like that. And saxophone, so like a a new new teacher, te- saxophone teacher came to town, or how did saxophone happen?
1: Um, that was, I think I had seen. You know, they, they took me to concerts a lot. Mm. So I think I'd seen a saxophone player. Actually, no, I, I remember it was uh, it was a Chicago guy, actually. His name was Art Porter Jr.
2: Mm.
1: And he would go down there and play fairly regularly. Well, because he grew up, he also grew up in Arkansas. Not in, not in the same town, but
2: in, mm-hmm. in Arkansas.
1: So he would c- come down and play and... So I was like, Yeah, that's good, that's what I want to do. Music. I want to do
2: that. Hmm.
0: What, what was occupying your time in between the cello and the saxophone? what, what were your other interests as a as a child? Yeah, I, I, it's you
1: know, it's been so long, it's hard to even it's hard to even remember, I guess, you know playing outside. Uh, you know. We didn't watch TV, so it wasn't TV.
0: Was there not a TV in the house at all, or? Yeah, not until I was older. Well,
1: not until I was a teenager,
0: I think. Like intentionally, like to they were trying for for you not to have that as an influence, or correct? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, sort of restricted in my house. We had this whole game we play where my if my parents left, they had a a cord on the TV that was detachable and they would hide it.
1: They would
2: hide it, really. Yes.
0: Wow. And then then there was there was a scavenger hunt where I would go and find the, the cord. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so they were kind of like they were they were thinking it would keep you away from it, but really it like it helped you develop your scavenger hunt skills.
0: Something. It well, it definitely motivated me. Well, yeah, if you tell a kid they can't have they something, can't do something. Yeah, they course. can't, it, it becomes that much more attractive, of course. Yeah. So if they had been a little more casual about it, maybe I wouldn't have been so motivated, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, they. one thing about my parents, yeah, chill is not one of them. I would say, you know, they don't have much chill. <laughs> well, <laughs> They're pretty intense about things. <laughs> so,
1: I'm I'm trying to like think of. Um, I'm not sure. I remember. You know, there's that famous moment in uh, the Cold War. I think it was like in the late. Was it the the late fifties or when Khrushchev came and visited?
2: Yeah, and so uh,
1: Eisenhower, and they're in the kitchen, and he's showing him the American kitchen and all the sure, yeah. Was that Eisenhower or was that?
0: Oh, uh, shit.
1: But I'm pretty sure it was Khrushchev.
0: Definitely so, Khrushchev, yeah.
1: And so he was saying, you know, and as the story goes, I don't, you know, of course, we only hear one side of the story, but he was he's really impressed, and he said, is it is it really true that all of your people live like this, even that yeah. the people live like this? And, right. And the Eisenhower whoever said, oh, yeah, 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 this is, you know, yeah. the women here are so, uh, they can... Pursue other uh, interests and hobbies because the all this stuff is kind of already done. Yeah,
0: the Everyone's, kitchen of tomorrow it really does all the work for them. Yeah.
1: So I'm, and and then I remember reading also that, because um, I don't know when when was TV here it became like really common like almost every home, probably around the same time like mid late fifties.
0: Likely, yeah.
1: But was it the same in the, in the Soviet Union or was it a little
0: later? I'd, I'd, uh, I'd wager to guess later. Everything was later. Well, also because so much of whatever very heavily cen- censored and mediated culture they got came from the West still, but right. in, in a kind of a pirated and often shittier version. Down to from that same visit to the it was some kind of uh i don't know if it was a world's fair or something that that kitchen of tomorrow thing that khrushchev visited but there was a famous uh soviet cookbook and one of which was uh, one of the big recipes or items was some sort of hamburger but which they didn't call a hamburger but was completely modeled on the american hamburger yeah uh so they cribbed a lot of stuff from the West without giving any credit to the West you know what I mean sure uh, but, but the know.
1: TV thing so you're like it's possible your parents would have grown up without it
0: like for the most right? part yeah. yeah uh yeah I mean it was a huge huge uh cultural shock but they I think they quickly saw that the children here you know would just spend untold hours in front of the tube mm-hmm. whereas they were sort of raised to read books and such
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i mean they were endlessly horrified by by the educational system in america how how shitty it was they thought on an just, acad- on an academic level
1: of course yeah i mean yeah. it's understandable it's, yeah.
0: yeah i mean
1: we really don't you know takes a lot of initiative to to get much out of uh, uh, many public schools
0: so it sounds like yeah you were raised by like a hoity-toity intelligentsia type of uh couple (laughs) no (laughs) yeah
1: i guess you could say that yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's that's familiar yeah i'm i'm uh familiar with that (laughs) With that kind of background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there was one religion in my fa- family, it, it was definitely books. <laughs> yeah. Books were just everywhere all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, books, and, and also like going to the library very, at a very young age and talking with the librarian. Oh, and really? The, and the bookstore. And, oh, okay, we're going to go to the bookstore. This is Mr you know, whatever his name was. And
0: That's nice. See, yours you, at least tried to socialize you in some way. Do you have any,
1: do you have any quite, Like, would you want to tell him what you're interested in or do you want to tell him what you're, you know, that kind of thing?
0: Wow. Do you remember what you would ask, the librarian or the bookstore guy? Yeah, I think,
1: I don't know. It's one book was about, one phase, I think, maybe it might have been about construction. <clears throat> construction. And... You know, whatever passing interests interest. Oh, there's a book about that. Let's go find a book about that. Huh. You know.
0: So, so once you discovered the the uh, the saxophone and that's Art Porter, did did it sort of quickly become like the main thing for you, or did that did it build slowly?
1: Oh no! Absolutely,
0: yeah. It was like right away. Was the thing. Yeah. Definitely. Huh. And, yeah. and your your parents were fully supportive of this, or were they fearful about your future? They didn't.
1: You know, if they were, they never said anything about it. They were always really
0: encouraging. Yeah,
1: always. And the, even to the point of when I was fourteen or fifteen, I started going around trying to sit in with bands and mm. go to. Little jam sessions and stuff, whatever was happening, <clears throat> and they were supportive of that also.
0: How much of that was was going on in? The, it's at uh, Fayetteville, or
1: Fayetteville, yeah. yeah. Um, I just there was a fair amount during those day. I mean, for that size of town, you know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you know, the the musicians I met were really encouraging. And so it was, you know, it was nice.
0: Was it all centered around the university, like the music scene and stuff, or no? Um, I would, I would say. In a,
1: in a town like that, the the school is so large. We're talking about. Yeah, how big is it? Being the, just the school being forty thousand. Oh yeah. And the, the town. In those days, was probably like sixty thousand.
0: Wow. Yeah, so, so that's like the 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 main economic or whatever engine of the place.
1: Yeah, so everything is kind of connected in some way. But there is, um, and and some of the people I was playing with either were going to school there or teaching there, but it wasn't, wasn't really like a school scene. Uh huh. You know. Necessarily.
0: Huh. Did you find any any classmates or any other people your age that had similar interests or? That oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I had some some kids that I would get together with and
0: we would play music and yeah. You it was always jazz or was, was were there other?
1: I mean, that was my main interest, but. But I was trying as trying as much as I could to play wherever I could. To just to gain experience, you know. Yeah. So I played in a blues band played in a funk band, or would play for people's little projects or sit in with whoever, you know, just
0: Yeah. Try to I
1: mean <clears throat> you know, the in the bars who's Fair amount of live music in the bars. It was mostly kind of this southern rock stuff mm. that that I wasn't really I wasn't really so into it. You
0: like know, like Leonard Skinner or something or yeah that, like kind, that of kind of stuff. thing yeah. So there wasn't really a whole lot of saxophone.
1: I, I wasn't really into it, but <laughs> you know later I could and and it, you know it was kind of got to be really. Uh, of oppressive how, uh, you know, how that was sort of everywhere, you know. (laughs) And later, later, you know, I kind of, I could sort of appreciate it now, I say, okay, yeah, that's fine, that's good, there's some good music there, but at the time, (laughs) I I just fucking hated it. (laughs) I wanted nothing to do with this, you guys.
0: So, all that like, all the hillbilly rock was your enemy.
1: Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> but that also feeds into that thing what you were saying about the intelligentsia. So uh huh. You know, I could say, well, I'm
0: I'm into this other thing. Right. More,
1: more so
0: intellectual and more. hmm Because you know, like I'm from the smart people, and this is for the dumb people. <laughs>
1: kind of. I mean, I wouldn't have put it that way, but
0: it, no, I know there was probably some, some of that going on. Too. Was there any resentment or like friction from from anybody on that side of the fence towards you? I don't know. No, that's a
1: good question. I never, not really. Like, uh, <laughs> nobody ever. If there was, nobody ever confronted me.
0: So, <laughs> no battle of the bands between, like, the jazz bows and the, and the riff no, rock. That, that would have been interesting. That though. would have been great. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and I did, you know, when I was a little older, I I started playing with this white guy blues band that was actually, would get into some territory that kind of bordered that. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was... Uh, I, it was probably a couple of years I spent with them, and we would we would do gigs out of town. we would travel mm. to different parts
0: of the state, play a weekend here, do this you know. and is this still high school years or or is this later? now?
1: Um, that would that would have been late after high school but but even in high school i was I was playing a fair amount and mm-hmm. sometimes I would sleep in class and stuff because I yeah stood out late the night before.
0: How was like so? How was school for you? Did you enjoy school, or did you get anything out of school, like in relation to this all this music activity? What What oh, role yeah. did no, school, yeah? You liked school? Yeah, yeah. And,
1: you know, it was funny. I don't, I don't know in what context, but yeah, like in high school, I was on the literary magazine. Ah, like the stat, the whatever, the editor board, editorial board. Uh huh. And um, this came up Why did this come up recently? I was just thinking about this the other day. Oh, you know why? It's because um, it was. There's a a big influence of the kind of um, what would you call it? Like sort of opp- oppressive Protestantism. There were a lot of. <laughs> Bible thumpers that were really, you know, so there was this kind of, like, extreme New Testament morality that was just kind of in the air everywhere. Really? Yeah. And 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 that was also one of those, I mean, it's still the same way. We just we're kind of insulated from it here in sure. Chicago, but um, it's still the same down there, but it was kind of like, if you you know if you're smart and you're educated then you can see through all this crap and can mm. yeah. see that it's not but but then there were also like some really smart people that were educated that were you know kind of what what we thought of as extremist Christians but of course now that's on, you know on a whole other list does it seem so extreme now well yeah <laughs> right, right. But, but we th- in those days we thought it was extreme. So anyway, in the in the literary uh, magazine in high school,
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of the two there were like two chairs or two, you know, there was like president, vice president. Or something. Yeah, and one of them was from that background, and she was still, uh, um, you know, sort of trying to live by faith in that in that specific way with this. Um, you know, but she was really smart, and she was really mm-hmm. creative, and, and everyone really liked her. She was really cool, yeah. and, and friendly, and, and so I remember there was this one day we were reading these short stories, yeah, or, or is that we were discussing these short stories, like whether to include them or not. whose Whose short story are we going to publish this year? Right, and. I guess there were eight or 10 of us, probably eight, and we were talking. And and it's all, you know, they're, they're all supposed to be submitted anonymously.
2: hmm
1: And we're supposed to be reviewing them anonymously. Sure. Even though a lot of times we could kind of figure out who wrote what, you know. Yeah. But we sort of had to pretend that we didn't know.
2: Mm-hmm. And there was this one
1: story that was extremely uh, provocative, in the sense of uh, it talked about. It, it was just really. Um, it was really well written. Yeah. Really, had had this great flow to it, very stimulating. And mm-hmm. But one of the main, well, basically it was about an acid trip,
2: you know, uh-huh. that this
1: guy was on. And. But it was just like easily one of the most well-written stories so we all we all we all knew it could only be like a couple of people that might have written it yeah and that, that were in the room and uh,
0: oh all the, all the people who had submitted these stories were in the room while you were having this discussion
1: no but we knew that yeah. oh. we know that whoever would submit a story that was that good probably had to be a literary magazine mm. person. You know, like we didn't... we Somehow the, the possibility that you could be that good of a writer and not be on this, in this team was just really unlikely. Yeah. Know? And I guess I was probably a little, thinking a little slow, but it didn't really occur to me. And, and they got into... So the president and the vice president, mm-hmm. one of whom was this woman I'm talking about, um got into this big discussion but, and, and she was saying, well, of course it's written really well, and of course it's, this is an incredibly talented writer and, but there's no way we're going to publish this story, are you kidding me? They're talking about drug use like we can't yeah. possibly like what kind of message is this sending to our uh, you know, classmates or even, there might be even younger readers that might read this stuff it doesn't represent our school. It doesn't represent mm, yeah. our community. Our value, you know, all this stuff. And and they, I mean, they, they really argued about this for like a while. I mean, it's very civil, but it was yeah. extremely contentious. And in the end, he just he knew that he had it. And and I and it took me it would it took me like a few minutes to realize like oh he wrote it. It's his story. And he was defending it so deftly and so, like, you know, he kind of had the like, slick. was like, "I know I'm going to win this." Basically, he was huh. super confident. And, yeah. And so, in the end, it was saying, But anyway, I, I'm saying all this to to give an example of like, like, yeah, high school kids can't write stories about drug use because they're not supposed to be using drugs. Right. And, and this kind of thing, and that was like, just really co- like, just the idea that you would eat was just like, no way, <laughs> you know. Like they, and of course, a lot of students I knew in high school had, you know, dabbled in, in different types of mind-altering substances. Sure. Even some of the ones that would go to church on Sunday. And,
0: were you raised with any of that, any church or any kind of religious anything? Yeah, in you the were? church, yeah. Oh, oh, you did. So you went to church regularly?
1: Yeah, as a as a kid, yeah. And then I, um, but it was it was this kind of, you know, the Presbyterians are kind of like the um, the most liberal of the of that sort of. Yes. Yeah, um, so and it's kind of. Like the, the rhetoric is still really extreme, mm-hmm. but in, in practice they're very accepting. And, and, uh, you
0: know. So the, the this thing that you told me earlier about your mom getting in, really into Gregorian chants did she tie that to her religion in, in any way? That music, or I would was say, it just so alien that she didn't? There was no connection. I
1: would say on a on a personal level she probably did Yeah, it was tied in somehow with her spiritual journey but uh, institutionally no
0: yeah I guess you couldn't just whip out a Gregorian chant in the middle of a Sunday service at your church no No,
1: but you know what I think she did actually go to the Catholic church a couple times because they would have some service with that
0: Stuff. Really, yeah.
1: I think, or maybe, yeah, or maybe it was. Whoever was leading that group was. Was Catholic, or something. there weren't that many Catholics? I know there were a few, but they, it was mostly. The main religion was this, more like. You know, uh, Protestant.
0: Uh, and and yeah, so. So although, as you said, you you grew up with regular church going, you you sort of uh, perceived these other religious people as like a a part or more extreme or what have you. It's kind of what you said they were sort of aggressively.
1: Oh, yeah, like I had a friend, uh, um, for instance, and I guess it would have been before high school, and we were, I think it was this was like a school trip, and we were taking a hike through the woods. and mm-hmm. He kind of cornered me and said, "Listen, you know, I, I care, I care very deeply about the salvation of your soul." Oh wow! And I said, "Well, you know, I appreciate it. You know, I think you're a good <laughs> friend and a good guy." And he's like, "No, no, this is really serious. You have to yeah. really think about this." And I was like, "Well, I, I have thought about this. Yeah, you know, like quite a lot." And he's like, he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. If you don't get saved, you're going to hell. Yeah. And and we had this big long back and forth about it. And then basically after that, he was like, I can't be your friend anymore.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So w- was this was this sort of like during the rise of the evangelical movement, in, or or was this a different? Strain? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That was.
1: The, I'm sorry. That's the word I was looking
0: for. Evangelical. Yeah, because this time. sounds like all that. George W. Bush stuff, yeah. This like what he was—he was a saved, you know. He was a this like dumb frat boy party boy, but then he found religion and suddenly, right. yeah. This is yeah. a track that a lot of people in the country went went on at a certain point.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the, and that that
0: that train mm. was
1: already rolling like yeah. before this, but it was sort of the beginning. And I remember talking. Um, you know, my my dad grew up in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking with him about it, and he said something like, um, when he was a kid, he, there would be like a, a Baptist um, kid at school, and they would kind of tease each other, and the Baptist yeah. would say, you know, you weren't full, when you were baptized, you weren't fully immersed. Yeah. And that means it doesn't count, and therefore you're going to hell. But it was like a joke they were just kind of yeah it was just they would kind of rib each other and and he was talking about how he noticed that the whole thing got more serious you know it probably would have been we're talking about late 70s early 80s maybe maybe even before that yeah and then it, and then it became this thing where it's like when I was that kid my friend felt that way yeah and then he's like okay I can't be your friend anymore
0: and this is the '90s now, I'm guessing, or, or is yeah, it, I would say yeah. yeah, '90s. Yeah, that's intense. That's a lot to to deal with.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it kind of in, yeah, it was sort of like there was no sort of life or like developing, learning how to be an adult without like thinking about these ideas and stuff yeah.
0: yeah I mean would you say is this a thing that comes back to you now uh, is this a it's a factor in your life
1: less and less yeah you know it was a big problem uh, maybe in my 20, early 20s but then yeah I think moving here you know big city and See so, all kinds of different people. Yeah, doing all we, kinds we, of different
0: things we beat the Jesus out of you, huh? Yeah, basically,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So where did uh, yeah. did you go off to college anywhere or did you stick around were you still in Arkansas in That's, college years?
1: Yeah, I was I was there. I went I was I lived briefly in Maine, Portland, Maine.
0: Mm, what were you um, we doing there?
1: I was just kinda you know, I was playing music and living just a brief period, you know. And
0: did you know somebody there or
1: Yeah, yeah, I had some uh, some guys I was in a band with that moved there and I said well here's a chance to kinda of further our musical goals and kinda of, you know. and I, I was ready to get out of you know where I grew up so.
0: Was that was that your first the first time that you'd left? For- what, sorry,
1: sorry Dimitri, can I interrupt just one second? Yeah um yeah I wanted to talk about that this um evangelical thing but I wanted to see if there was any way that you could relate any sort of cultural evolution of like where you grew up
0: to that oh yeah of course uh to the the I- evangelical stuff
1: well just the the idea of of how society changes, and that something like that is a big influence, um, and I've read you know, I've read a little bit about Soviet history not a time, but there would be these movements that would became become really powerful and then kind of disappear, and then, like a new idea would come or something
0: well, I mean, for me, so you know we we came. To the U.S. when I was seven, and okay. and we're Jewish, but uh, not allowed. Th- my parents were not allowed to practice in any meaningful way, and they didn't know what really that was about. Okay. So they got. So we got to America, to to the Boston area, and we were immediately, you know, what was called adopted by a, a local synagogue, okay. and we went to Hebrew school and did all this, and oh, it, wow. okay. it made. Uh, you know, the, the local Jewish families feel good to, to take in these, like, you know, or not orphans, but, like, these kind of, you know, they were doing their good charity work for the week or whatever by, yeah. by yeah. taking in the Soviet kids. Right. But, yeah, my parents never, they just didn't have the traditions built in. They tried their best mm-hmm. to instill some sort of faith thing, but it never took, not for me. I mean, my mom still, she lights uh, candles Friday night, you know, for Shabbat. Mm-hmm. But there's not any, like, regular synagogue going or any of that, any of, uh, if anything, I mean, for me personally, I'm not sure how it was for my, I had one, one brother who's three and a half years younger growing up, and then another one that's much younger that was born in America, but okay. uh, it never took, if if anything, it, it, it made me... Uh, Reject it harder, any sort of organized religion. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. And yeah, um, no. I made a, a really clean break with the, the church at some point. I said, no, enough of this. Don't believe this anymore. Yeah. Really clear. You
0: know? Yeah, I it I it I didn't have to do that because there was not a, a a tie the way anything like what you described like of regular church going of any kind. Mm-hmm and i mean i imagine that whatever kind of spiritual life that your parents had was instilled in them by their parents or at least one or two generations back right i
1: i would i would presume so but it's also you know there was also like the the kind of new age movement here in the 60s and stuff
0: oh okay so that
1: that probably was a big influence also
0: the age of Aquarius and all that
1: yeah I mean just the idea that that spirituality was something that you could adopt Mm. or that it wasn't yeah that it wasn't built in or yeah that it's something you could take an interest in and sort of have your own initiative toward developing your own beliefs or your this kind of stuff
0: yeah yeah, I, yeah, I don't I don't think yeah, I don't think I had anything like that kind of experience. I mean, my experience more was I mean, a lot of it was tied to immigration, but also like my parents' desire in to instill some sort of like appreciation or connection to a, a Jewish tradition that mm-hmm. I think went sort of beyond it, w- it wasn't just religion, it was like a cultural thing that they were probably felt deprived of in their childhood that they wanted their kids to have.
1: But they didn't, they didn't consider going to Israel instead of coming here.
0: Oh, they did. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, my, my mother's younger sister moved there ahead of us to Israel and my grandparents, or my mother's parents, uh, Their whole lifelong dream was to move to Israel and they were refuseniks and they, you know, they applied to leave uh, to immigrate. And they were instantly stripped of their jobs and they were just uh, sort of complete pariahs and they were not allowed to leave for a decade until the Soviet Union fell apart. And then they moved to Israel. Yeah. So, yeah, Israel, Israel is definitely a whole thing. And I've been there I think five six times okay uh, yeah. and that's definitely an alternate path that i think my mom especially kind of wishes that we had taken yeah. uh but i'm grateful that we didn't uh it would have been a different life yeah for sure uh yeah. but it's yeah that i mean in the in the case of uh jews i it's, it goes sort of way beyond religion. Yeah, it, right. there's many many factors to it, and religion seems like the least of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so so they? Uh, sorry, just. To, yeah, go ahead. Um, another detail. Were they? Were you guys living in? In like when you moved here, where mm-hmm. where had you been
0: living? Put, uh, for that. In in the Soviet Union, you mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Moscow. In Moscow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. for Moscow. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the way it worked. So there was a tiny trickle of Jews allowed to leave uh, from the Soviet Union in the in the late '70s when we left. It mm-hmm. was part of a deal between the Soviet Union and America. It's sort of like commonly. Called grain, we were called grain Jews, because okay. it was basically a trade deal. There was like a, tra- a deal of for grain for people, basically, some yeah, kind food, of food, dip- like diplomatic thing. Well, the Soviet Union was constantly needing, needing to get uh, foodstuffs from other places because they functioned on a war economy through their entire existence and didn't really. Uh, cultivate their own natural resources. It's it's one of the reasons they invaded so many other countries to plunder their resources. You know, yeah. But they were yeah they were constantly kind of falling apart in infrastructure, and they they were having to make deals. So despite all the you know the propaganda or the, like the political stuff where like you know Russia and the U S were at odds all the time the 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 trade. Like there was trade deals the whole time, like it never ended, you know? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Sort of sub rosa kind of like on the down low. Yeah. And one of their one of the little deals was this like them allowing a few Jews out. And there was hardly any 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 kind of Soviet Jewish community where we moved to until like, you know, almost a decade later when there was a flood <laughs> when the Soviet Union fell. Clouds, yeah. yeah. So, and that yeah, that was Boston. Yeah. And, yeah, we moved there because my father's older brother, Victor, lived in suburban Boston and he sponsored us. And that was one of the things that you needed. You needed to have a relative mm-hmm. in the country you were going to, or it was a, some kind of complicated refugee situation, you know, yeah. that allowed you to do that. Um, and that's why we ended up there. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. guess yeah, I never really thought of it exactly as a religious thing. That that even that all that synagogue going and the, maybe one of the other reasons that the Judaism never took is we were adopted, or, or quote unquote, by a, uh, a Reform synagogue, which is kind of like the watered down version sure. you know, of yeah. Judaism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and. I mean, I think that, like, you either go whole hog or you don't, you know? It just seemed like it was the kind of, like, place where they'd have, like, folk songs with, like, words changed to Jewish themes, you know? It was was pretty cheesy. (laughs) And uh, I think kids can see through that. It just, it it was was pretty phony, to me at least.
1: Yeah. um, I have some... I guess the the Jewish friends I had growing up were like children of professors and stuff. So they were they were all kind of yeah, more in like Reform yeah temples. But the um, when I moved here, you know, I had friends that were more like grew up conservative. Or
0: oh yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, so. yeah that's a lot. More of an intense, you know, weekly, daily thing, you know. Yeah, sure. So how did you how did you end up in Chicago? What what made you choose Chicago? I uh, some music.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: and you, you'd gone to Maine, and then you went back to Arkansas, or did you go from Maine to Chicago?
1: No, I went back.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you knew some people here that you could play with, or just. Yeah.
1: I, you know, I didn't really. No. Nope. I just had this idea that, um, you know, I'd visited here a little bit and um, I visited New York a few times, and I just had this idea that it will be easier to get started here.
2: Yeah. And that was
1: largely true. I mean, within a yeah. few months, I met a bunch of people I wanted to play with and some of whom I still play with 20 years later. You know.
0: And this is, yeah, about 20 years ago? mm mm-hmm. Now? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, it's more. It
1: must be more than that because... Yeah, it was 01 when I moved. 01? Yeah.
0: Huh.
1: So I remember the... It was the spring of 01.
2: Mm.
1: When the the reader was still in four sections. Yep. And we went to look for an apartment, and we got this big, thick newspaper and scoured it. And, um, yeah. And where, that's a, that's where, another topic, but...
0: Where was your first apartment in, in Chicago? In Bridgeport. Oh, yeah? Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we had a, one friend from... You know, not a close friend, but somebody we knew that was also from Fayetteville, and so we came to look for a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you can s- s- stay with me while you look around." And, yeah. And he lived there, Lumis, uh, uh, and uh, just just south of Archer. Oh yeah. And and we looked all over the place, and. Finally, it ended up being the one a half block from from where you lived.
0: But. That's just about where I live now. <laughs> really? Yeah, what I live on str- I live on Lock Street. On Lock,
1: and it is that par- that's parallel to Archer?
0: Or is uh, crosses crosses our. It's the crosses. last light before you go over the bridge to to Ashland and like right. where the Mariano's is and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's just just west of it's the light west of Loomis, you know, or south. Yeah. Southwest of Loomis. Southwest, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: I like that. I really like that area. Um, there used to be uh, like a family-owned drugstore in mm. the corner. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was right around that time, probably they got bought out by Walgreens. Mm. But it was one of those old, that probably in the old days had a soda fountain, a soda you know. A,
0: Oh, you mean the one on the corner of Loomis? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just got rid of that beautiful facade, the fuckers. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't believe they got rid of it. They are rehabbing that building, and they got rid of that beautiful like, like, kind of deco facade. Sheet metal facade, yeah. Yeah.
1: And they, so they had, like, you'd go in there, and it was really like, in the old days, they probably had a, what do you call it, soda fountain? Or, yeah. Yeah. And they didn't have any more, but you could see, like, oh, that's probably where the soda fountain was.
0: Right, where the soda jerk worked. Yeah. And and they were just, you know, this old couple. They were really sweet. Uh
1: And then I think there was a... That was a part of the Walgreens strategy was to just buy up all these places and close them. Right. You know. Um, But I... Yeah, so I remember before that... And at that moment, um, there were a lot of cops living in bridge city workers mm-hmm. cops. Um, there were Chinese people starting to move in
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there were yeah, so the old what we think of as the old Bridgeport crowd. there were, there were still some of those folks, but yeah, you could tell it was sort of transitioning you know. right. What is it, how does it, I mean, I've I've been there off and on since then, but how, how does it feel uh, to you now?
0: It's a real grab, it's a real mixed bag. I mean, it's a huge sprawling neighborhood, but I mean, I've mm-hmm. only been in Bridgeport about seven years. So, seven, seven yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I moved here, this is my second apartment in Bridgeport, but yeah, I moved in 2015 uh, mm-hmm. to Bridgeport. From Beverly, I was living with a lady in Beverly. In Beverly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which was crazy, but <laughs> yeah, felt like being in exile or something. <laughs> right. Very very far away from everything. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I'd, I'd meant to. I'd I'd kind of been intrigued by by Bridgeport for a while. Uh, so when the, that relationship ended was my chance to try it out and I think think it was a good move uh, prior to that prior to moving to Beverly I'd lived I lived uh, two doors down from where bill uh, McKay lives now okay on 24th Street yeah and that was a cool place uh, that was my that was the first apartment I had on the south side I'd lived on the north side before that and I moved there in 4
1: okay uh, yeah. back it, when they still called it part of
0: Chicago. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, some of us still do. <laughs> <laughs> some of not very many though. Well, <laughs> that's yeah, be, that's be, that's just a realtors, the you real know, ra- racket, yeah. I mean, but yeah. It's
1: amazing how quickly that name just got erased from the maps and
0: the Yeah. You hardly be, see it. Anywhere. People didn't even know it back then. I would tell people where I lived and they'd never heard of it, so I just told people either Little Village or Pilsen cuz they'd heard of those, you know. Right. Sure. But yeah, I I did some research I contributed a thing to a like this Chicago guidebook for neighborhoods and Mm -hmm. I wrote about heart of Chicago and I looked in the you know in in some of the city documents most of what people call Pilsen is actually heart of Chicago Chicago, I mean like definitely west of Damon but in some parts west of Ashland you know Mm -hmm. it's heart of Chicago but nobody knows that you know yeah. And nobody just, calls it that.
2: Yeah. It's, well, because it's so Pilsen in
0: the old is the new Wicker Park, so you know.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's so strange how quickly that the sort of real estate um, interests influence the words that we use or the names we
0: use. Oh yeah. Know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you just went by what realtors said, that like the the city map would be really janky and it would be like changing every few years. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The neighborhood map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when yeah Lincoln Lincoln Park was a hot neighborhood, and it would if you had, if you believe them, it would extend as far west as Ashland in some places. You know. Right. right. <laughs> that was still Lincoln Park. Because that was the Yeah. Yeah. The the catchword. Right, or like you'll see, like Logan Square. They call it Logan Square. It could be Humboldt Park. It could be Avondale. It could be Hermosa. You know, they call it all Logan Square because Logan Square is a cat. You know, it's a catchphrase that people know.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it's that Portlandia part of Chicago. you (laughs) (laughs) You know. Yeah. Where, where are you living now?
1: In Little Village.
0: Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. cool.
1: So I've been, I've been on the south side this entire time, near near south side.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. How long have you been in Little Village? Like a
1: little over two years, like beginning of the, of the pandemic.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I moved. I moved like a month, two months into into full on lockdown. Luckily. They deemed the movers essential, so that was, helpful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that, was helpful. that worked out in my favor.
1: They deemed a lot of stuff essential, like pretty quickly,
0: I remember. It, yeah.
1: yeah. But, um, no, but before that, I was in, you know, a couple different places west of Damon. And before that, over by. More by Racine, and mm-hmm. Peoria, so just kind of steadily moving west, you know, mm-hmm. every few years.
0: And yeah, how do you feel? Do you think you'll you'll stick around for a while? Uh, how are you feeling about Chicago in general? Any any feelings about that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, it's 20, 20 years is twenty years, you know.
0: Yeah. Feels it like a, a nice round number. Time to try something else, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but
1: you know, there's still a lot of reasons to stay. You know. I
0: yeah. think so. And I mean, you you seem to keep busy. You have a lot of different projects, or it looks like it from the outside, at least.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing to try to to try to build up uh, that kind of network of of collaborators that. That you can see, you know, regularly and work with regularly. I think that'd be pretty difficult. Else.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think about moving much, but when I do, the prospect of starting over and finding everything, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and getting co- to some sort of comfort level, like it just, you know, I'd, I'd be a tourist anywhere I moved to now. By this yeah. point. I mean I've been here pretty much uh, with a 3 year break I've been here since 1990, you
2: know.
0: Okay. <laughs> been wow. here a long time. Yeah. Uh I've, I've put in a lot of time and resources and I mean the the groups of people have changed many times because people move away or they they quit, you know, whatever they they finally give up on whatever Art dreams they had, and go and get a real job, or what have you. But, uh, <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> but I mean, yeah, this city still allows for this like weird existence of somebody like me, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, <clears throat> that can, yeah. I don't think I don't think I could do that somewhere else. Uh, what I do here, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean I I think there used to be the idea that well, you could try a uh, smaller city
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: would be cheaper. Right. And the scene might not be quite as developed, but there would be a lot of... still a lot of opportunity. Um, and I, I think that's still true in a way, but it's also... I don't know, yeah, I kind of I, I also kind of wonder if it's still really... Are things really that much more, whatever you want to call it, easier or more open? Or would, it, you know, would that does that sort of conventional wisdom still hold? I'm not sure if it does. You know.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but
1: prices are going up everywhere. To, you know, just true. The cost of living, and trying to find a place to to rent or to buy, mm-hmm. it's.
0: Well plus in I mean in music you're so dependent I mean most people most musicians are on some sort of collaboration. Mm-hmm. So you need some set at least a few people around that you can do this with. Yeah. That's so right. if you've save you know, you were able to afford some like palace and some crappy little town, then you'd have to go and travel long distances to find people.
1: Yeah, and then you lose then you lose the kind of the regular aspect of it, the daily practice or the
2: yeah.
0: meetings
1: or that kind of thing.
0: So so what are the current things like we're like what's the the latest thing? What are you what are you most excited about these <laughs> days with your own stuff? Well I've got a few
1: um projects that are long term and some more recent ideas um my my one group Keith Jackson's likely so Mm -hmm. is all read all of saxophones and clarinets Mm -hmm. and I've been writing music for that for it's been about 10 years I guess yeah and we've been playing recently a little more which means two or three times a year Mm. and so I'm going to keep going with that and um Starting to develop some working relationships with some movement artists.
2: Mm.
1: More in the more in the improvisation realm. We're going to keep doing that. Um, and I have some other smaller groups that I'm, that you know again don't play all the time, but you know, keep developing. And then the other groups that I have that are more just all improvised music. Yeah. Um, some of which are kind of long term at this point, you know. So it's it's really there's there's plenty to do. With this, I see. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always intrigued by these like the the way you guys just do you have these things like like that one thing that you invited me to be part of where people meet. Like at a at a place who have never played or done anything together and just try to make something like I, out of nowhere yeah
1: that actually started um, that specific i remember what you're talking about yeah it was it constellation this is yeah was
0: it like three on three or four on four something like something with numbers i forget I forget yeah, what that, what that was called
1: the idea was that they would they would invite the, the programmer at the, that was doing the series at the venue would invite three people. Yeah. And give them one set each, and each person had to invite two others that they'd yeah. never worked with before. Yeah. And so that's how we. And that was modeled on a similar series in Amsterdam. Mm. I think it's not still running, but in Amsterdam, there really are a ton of, ton of improvisers. Yeah. In all different uh, disciplines. and So there, it's easy to find, um, there's just a steady stream of people that you haven't worked with. So there, I think that idea uh, went pretty far. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about lasted duration uh, over over the course of months or years or however long it lasted. Yeah, here it was a little. um, I'm not going to say that they ran out of people, but there was a little bit of a feeling like it it lost steam after a bit.
0: Yeah,
1: or it was hard to find people you'd never played with that you were interested in that part of the idea kind of fizzled but I think they started up something similar recently yeah yeah, again the idea is just like experimentation on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. you know and that's ultimately what builds a scene yeah things like that are regularly occurring people have the opportunity to meet each other
0: I mean, would you say? I mean, is uh, improvisation does that play a part in all these groups that you're with, at least partly, or is or some of them completely written out or worked out beforehand?
1: Yeah, no, my my music is what I'm interested in concerned with is improvisation, so it's a really big part of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So I don't have. I don't really write any pieces that are not improvised sometimes a little bit but no, that's not really um, yeah what I'm interested in is how to combine the composing with the improvising yeah in a way that's that's, that's stimulating that keeps keeps everyone engaged and, right um Because I think, you know, all this stuff, all these methods, like in, at least in music, but I would imagine that the same is true for most of the arts, performing or otherwise. All these structures and ideas and approaches we have are really important, but really the main point of all of them is just to get you up to, you know, kind of this idea that Steve Lacy talks about at the edge of the cliff. Mm. So, his, he said something about this, you know, okay, I write all these pieces and they're really complicated and they all really these sections. But yeah. really, it's just to help you get closer to the edge. Yeah. And that's the real thing that we're... I mean, it sounds kind of simple, but what he's called the edge of the cliff, you know, that... That's where the, the music happens, whether it's written or whether you're improvising. So yeah. that, does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah. yeah. No, no. I was just thinking about it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's that's a good way of that's a good way of putting it.
1: And if if you know, for some people, it may be um, that really going deep into this traditional banjo music from the Appalachians or whatever. Maybe that's how they get to the edge. I don't know. You know different people have different ways of getting there and, and also the same person that changes over time too. You know?
0: For sure, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, it's probably a good, good place to end it. Okay. Since since you, you explained the whole thing, <laughs> well we solved we solve that problem. <laughs> to sum it all up, uh, problem solved. It's really quite simple. And uh, what is music? What is yeah. art? Yeah. All right, check check so, mark. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, you can retire now. <laughs>
1: Call me if you have any questions,
0: but uh, I, I'm not sure I really have any other answers. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 This is it. I'm, I'm actually retiring after this conversation. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm done. Fun. I'm done as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet. Thank you for doing this, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll see how how the audio is. Cut something together, and I'll send it to you for for you to check it out.
1: Okay. Yeah. Thanks for asking, uh, Dimitri. and. Uh, yeah. Be uh fun to continue conversing on similar topics or other things.
0: Yeah, other to- yeah, I mean, you know, the last time we saw each other, you were you were cooking fish and there was a big marijuana party in the other room. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. A, that was insane.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have a at,
1: where I live now, we have a nice outdoor area and there's like a grill and can cook right. fish so this summer sometime we'll more fish huh? <laughs> come by and, and then uh, if if god forbid anyone smokes weed it'll just go out into it it won't, it won't uh, be such an influence necessarily
0: yeah cool well that I'll uh, I'll be I'll be happy to be there all right cool talk to you later okay Thank bye you. All right.